electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod. Twas the week before Christmas and all the bags were packed. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on the multi-million dollar fine against Southwest and the busy holiday season. The Sunday after Thanksgiving, that was the most passengers to board airplanes in the United States of America in our history. Hack attack, the new SEC rules requiring companies to disclose cyber breaches in days. Security expert Kevin Mandia on the year in hacks. The impact of the attacks has gone up. Throughout my entire career of responding to breaches, it used to be you could manage through the breach, and there was not material business impact. Plus, deal or no deal Monday, U.S. Steel bought by the Japanese, Adobe walking away from an acquisition, and the retail sector putting on its holiday lipstick. What? It's the final shopping week before Christmas? Rainy days and Mondays. And it's wet. It's December 18th, 2023. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three. Two, one, cue please. Well, good Monday morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is out today. Joe and I are coming to you from wherever the heck we can get on air, because uh, this was a, a wet and wild ride this morning. Good morning, Joe. No, no issues. Are Zero. you serious? I'm dead serious. I got I, it, twisted it, and turned around a bunch of times. Roads closed everywhere here with no, like, no detour, no. nothing set up. And then I had to talk my way past cops to actually get here off You're 9W. Kidding. No. Zero. I had trouble w- with the final octortal word. You uh, did I that still, on the car on the way in? Yeah, I still haven't gotten it, in fact. But that was my big gut. No, there was... I came from, well, you know where I come yeah, from. It's easier, and got it's right, easier probably right to get there the, than here. Right through the Lincoln Tunnel, and there were, uh, it, it was the same time, same, uh, nothing, nothing going on uh, at all. And yeah, I'm just, glad to be here. Just for everybody You're, at home, Joe and I did swap today, each of us trying to figure which out where to go. Which we always should have done. Gonna, yeah. How far are you, uh, we always should have done that. How far yeah. are you from uh, from where you are? Uh, normally or? Uh, uh, See this? Yeah, nor- I like the way, yeah, I like the way that works. Okay, you a, to go an hour and a half and me to go an hour and a half <laughs> instead of you going 10 minutes and me going 10 minutes. It's, it, know, it, was a, it was a <laughs> roundabout way of getting here. But hey, we're here. It's a Monday morning. I will say anybody on the East Coast, look out. We may have to do it tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah, we'll any, to anybody on the East Coast, just be careful with this. Is this you talking now? Yeah, you got to do the equity. Did we hit some new highs in the Dow? We did. If you were looking at the Dow, we are now at seven days in a row. The Dow's been higher. It's at a new high once again that it closed at. And you're looking at some impressive gains once again this morning. Impressive just because of the gains they're building on top of. And you were talking about all the major averages being higher for seven weeks in a row. So 
massive gains on top of massive gains, and people keep asking, can this continue? If you take a look at what's been happening in the Treasury markets, this has been the impetus for all of it. Ever since Jay Powell spoke and said that, yeah, it looks like they'll be cutting rates three times next year, the two-year yield is actually back to 4.4%, but it's down from the north of 4.7% that we'd been stuck at for so long. The 10-year, well below 4% at 3.90. And, uh, man, this has been some interesting markets to watch over the last week or so, Joe. Try to figure out the what's the do you have the exact high for all-time high for the S&P? It's the 40, uh, I'll tell you 47, where we are 80, 47.80, uh, somewhere around there. So we're still we not there. We are. But we're not. Looks like that's in the cards. Yeah, two percent off of the record high for the S&P. Yeah. We are. My is training to look for it. We're 8.6 percent off the all-time high for the Nasdaq composite. Yeah, well, the Magnificent Seven will probably uh, get us there up. 75%. Yeah. I'm not going to say that this next story uh, is, is disappointing, but what do you think the biggest U.S. steel company on the planet, or used to be, that represented everything about uh, U.S. strength in the world US is steel. going for? Yeah. $7 billion. Wow. Uh, breaking news, Japan's uh, Nippon Steel is buying U.S. steel for $55 a share. We're saying here it's a deal. It's worth... Uh, over $14 billion. Is that including debt? Because I, I saw seven, uh, seven earlier. Well, let me take a look. Um, yeah, maybe, let's see, 55. Maybe it is that, because it has a market cap of nine here. Oh, yeah. it, it, before the move. Yeah, before, before the move, move it was right? nine, so 48. But, uh, you know, the mini mills have taken over, obviously, and, it, and all the dumping from, from Asia has made it much more difficult to, I mean, Bethlehem Steel, remember Bessie used to be, uh, and, and the, the city and the, the whole Rust Belt itself is kind of a. My dad's uh, been a summer working at a U.S. Steel in college. Yeah. 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 Not a good job. It, it's it, going to retain its it was, uh, name it and its Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh headquarters. It says it will honor all commitments uh, with employees, including uh, collective bargaining agreements, which are uh, in place uh, with unions. Not going to say it's an allegory for the Steelers, though yesterday it sort of looked like one. Uh, and the Cowboys. Every time you think they're good, Becky, I'm telling you, every time you think they might be good, they play a good team, and it's like, they didn't have to win. Maybe that was it. I tweeted something out yesterday. Did you see that tweet? I did. I saw the, the dogs. Did you see this? Amazing. They were all, they're like, what? Who is this team? Did you see the Corgi? He's like, Dak Prescott, MVP? Are you nuts? What? It's the final shopping week before Christmas? God almighty. Uh, Courtney Reagan. That's total panic, Courtney. Courtney Reagan joins us now with a closer look. Uh, Have I got that right? Uh, One key sector. Courtney. That's right. It's the final week, Joe. I hope you've checked off your list. Much of retail's performance, though, as you know, this has been pretty nuanced, even within categories this year. But performance can vary widely. There's one area with nearly persistent strength. It's beauty. It's really a beast right now. And while beauty is often a top gifting category and big for self-gifting as consumers take advantage of rare discounts to stock up on their favorite products, new data shows beauty is even stronger this year. Critio Commerce data shows the average beauty sales are up 36% in the first two weeks of December compared to October and up 5% compared to the same two weeks of December last year. Younger consumers are spending more on cosmetics, skincare, and fragrances, according to Piper Sandler's biannual teen service 
survey. Social media even has tweens interested in ingredients like retinol, which has drawn its own controversy, to be fair. Beauty marketing and acceptance, that's crossing gender lines more often, too. Interestingly, two of the larger pure play beauty retailers, Ulta and Sephora, have divergent pricing strategies, according to years of web scraping analysis by Vertical Intelligence. Ulta's deals are the best during the holidays, while Sephora's prices are often the highest during this time of year. Both, however, have higher average selling prices in 2023 compared to prior years. Now, the strength in beauty preceded the holidays with nearly all companies exposed to the category, calling it out as a top performer during the last round of quarterly reports. Shares have reflected the trend with Bath & Body Works, Sally Beauty, Elf, Ulta, Estee Lauder, Cody, they're all up double digits over the last month, outperforming the XRT retail ETF, which is up 12%, and the S&P 500, which is only up 4.5% over that same period of time. Joe? Just wondering whether that's unique, Courtney, or have you ever seen elasticity in the beauty segment? When, when would people, when, when would you see that not be sort of uh, resistant to, to almost anything. I mean, sometimes you do see trade downs, right? So there's different categories in beauty. There's prestige, which is the higher price, more luxury items, and there's mass, right? So maybe instead of going to a Sephora or Ulta, consumers spend more at a Target or at a CVS or a Walgreens to still get a lipstick but maybe they're paying a little less for it. But I think showing even that the average selling price has gone up over the last year compared to prior years is a really good example that shows how strong beauty is as a category and also the expanding demographic of those that are interested in beauty. So that total addressable market appears to be getting bigger. So Court, we, we spoke last week, I just wanna know, did you get your Christmas cards yet? You know what, Becky? I got them that day. I felt like I needed to like send out a tweet or something. I um, still haven't gotten them. Nobody's getting a haven't? Christmas card for me. I still haven't gotten them. There's I no mean, way I did order them at the Christmas. end of November, and they didn't come until December 13th. I always order them Thanksgiving weekend, so definitely took longer this year, for yeah. sure. You, Nobody's getting the, a Christmas card. I'm just thinking about beauty still. Uh, thinking about lipstick, mm -hmm. mascara, stuck on your mind, huh? I, I, I wish I could say that I have no no makeup uh, on. No experience with any of those. <laughs> but I, I, I just, do you really, like if it's prestige, should yes. I be paying up for prestige? Is it better? Is it better? Or is it marketing? No, the new do thing, the new thing is the organic and the clean, you know, the, that's, that's true. Right? The like ingredients, particularly in skincare and yes, right. in some color cosmetics, but Many people believe, Joe, that some of the prestige brands do last longer throughout the day. You don't have to reapply them as much. I mean, look. Uh, when I start TV reapplying throughout the day, brands. when I start reapplying throughout the day, that, that's when I know I've, I've I'm taken down. this all a little bit too seriously. Get your right. compact uh, out. Check your face. Since I'm done at 9 o'clock, if I'm putting reapplying at like 2 in the afternoon, well, then I'm, you're I'm, just vain. Get, I'm getting a different business. Courtney. <laughs> Will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, remember the holiday meltdown last year for Southwest Airlines? They broke down to the point where they were like writing new scheduling down on pads of paper. The Department of Transportation announcing a $140 million civil penalty against Southwest for stranding over 2 million passengers last year. Secretary Pete Buttigieg is next. And this is about accountability and frankly changing the incentives for airlines. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. 
Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection, including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Joe Kernan. All right. I'm new this morning, hence the word news, right? (laughs) That's why it's, right? This is, I mean, maybe you would assume that that we would bring you. Well, we're not talking about yesterday's news, that's for sure. (laughs) Sometimes we do. Uh, Exactly. That's why we have to say new this morning. Right, exactly. The Department of Transportation is fining Southwest Airlines $140 million over major flight disruptions uh, over the holidays uh, last year. Things have been going pretty, I don't know we ought to leave well enough alone, Phil. They're, they're doing better this year. He joins us now with more. Hey, Phil. Hey, Joe, you are amped up this morning. Uh, and yes, we will be talking with Secretary Buttigieg, but let's talk first about this fine of $140 million, uh, a civil penalty that Southwest Airlines has agreed to pay. This is the end of a year-long investigation into the meltdown that happened that last week of the year, last year. We saw the scenes. Everybody saw the scenes. So here's the fine, $140 million, all tied to the failures of Southwest Airlines when it came to dealing with these meltdowns, the cancellations. By the way, $90 million will also be created in a fund that will pay passengers in the future vouchers if they are delayed or canceled more than three hours. That's part of the agreement as well. As I mentioned, this was the scene last year. Cancellations meant people were stranded at airports. Over 2 million people were stranded. Southwest canceled more than 16,000 flights. It was a mess, and Southwest compensated, spent more than $600 million compensating passengers at that time. But the DOT said, oh, no, we want to make sure that this doesn't happen again. That's part of the reserve fund being created. Will it happen again? Last week, we had Southwest CEO uh, Bob Jordan at the uh, NYSE for Squawk on the Street, and he was emphatic. No, we've learned our lessons, and it won't happen again. Here's Bob Jordan last Thursday. We are ready. We've invested in... Uh, trucks and new pads and staffing and, and technology. I'm very, very proud of our people. We are ready for winter. We've already had snow, big snow in Denver, Chicago, and we performed extraordinarily well. Uh, over Thanksgiving, as an example, Thanksgiving Day, there was snow 97% on time, zero cancels across our entire system. It was a costly meltdown for Southwest Airlines as you took a, take a look at the stock over the last year. Altogether, it cost the airline more than $1.1 billion, and that's before this $140 million civil penalty. As we mentioned, we'll be talking with the Department of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Guys, I know we have a lot of questions, not only about this fine, but the broader question, which has been the push by Buttigieg and the Department of Transportation to get airlines better prepared 
for cancellations and more importantly, take care of customers when there are cancellations. Very good, uh, Phil. All right, we, we look forward to that. We do have, uh, we have a lot to talk about, although I'm, I've always been, I'm sort of on the other side of the whole uh, airline complaining sitch, I guess because uh, I remember. I remember how expensive it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, and and I, I just think it's the best. No, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's that I've tried to drive long distances. So I understand what the alternative uh, is. Right, Phil? Yeah. Yeah, Are we there yet? You know what, though? This was, this was a situation with Southwest that it impacted them so much more than everybody else. You understand weather. You get that. You understand that you can't move heaven and earth to do some of these things. But I, Southwest, I think, was in a position. We'll, again, talk to Buttigieg about this later. But they were in a position where they hadn't spent any money to update their, their systems. And they, they broke down to the point where they were like writing new scheduling down on, on, on pads of paper and stuff, right? It was terrible. And Bob Jordan, hey, Becky, last week I was at the Wings Club uh, for the airline industry, the Wings Club meeting in New York City. And Bob Jordan outlined all of the investments and the changes that they've made. And he embraces the fact that they did drop the ball and they had to get better. And in his opinion, they have done what they need to do to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Well, that's nobody knows news. for sure yeah. until we have the type of storm that hits again. Uh, but Southwest, they paid a hefty price. Uh, and this is the perhaps the end of that, paying the hefty price. But Bob Jordan and his staff, if you talk with them, they will outline all of the changes that they have made. And they are emphatic that they believe that they are prepared and it won't happen again. The weird thing about $140 million is like that's shareholder dollars that are going to be going to pay for that. And it doesn't actually punish any of the people who made the bad decisions. Well, yeah. Well, that, I mean, now you're getting into this whole thing with the civil penalties, et cetera, for any company, yeah. not just and airlines. The, the huge fall from grace from what was always thought of as like the best airline. That's the way I think of it, yeah. Phil, for, for years and years. Southwest. You know what? Yep. That guy, Gary Kelly, stopped coming on Squawk Box. Started going, remember, Becky? Remember? <laughs> Phil? Suddenly he's going on, you know, later in the day. Other, I, Now, I'm not saying that that, that was the beginning uh, of, the, of the, you know, the downfall, <laughs> but uh, certainly, what happened uh, to Southwest, Phil? What happened to Southwest? It was the... It's because they stopped going they on They didn't make the box. investments, Joe, and we talked about this last year. They didn't make the investments in IT. They didn't make the investments that they needed to make in order Just to saying. be prepared when a major storm would hit. Right. Uh, and, and look, they, they <laughs> completely dropped the ball. That's the only way you can say it. You didn't? And yes, they Ducky, stopped coming on your when show. When did it happen? When did it happen? It, it was over several years, the, the, the investments that they weren't okay. making over several years. Oh, yeah. Maybe other companies ought to think twice. before. Uh, okay, thank you, Phil. We'll, we'll look, look forward to that. But it always was. And remember, I love the Herb and, you know, drinking Herb Kelleher, scotch, amazing. smoking. I used to smoke cigarettes when, he, when we'd interview him I was with ago. him, Joe. I was interviewing Herb Kelleher the day that the first airline rolled out and said that it was going to start charging people 25 or 50 bucks to take their luggage on, if they to, to check their luggage. And he, the, his reaction was so visceral. He said, no, no way. And then he started laughing. He said, we're going to win because that's going to drive everybody here instead of yeah. going to those places. He was, he was one of a kind. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it's disappointing. Joining us now, Transportation Secretary uh, Pete Buttigieg and uh, CNBC's Phil LeBeau, uh, who broke this uh, story earlier uh, here on Squawk Box. And Mr. Secretary, always good to see you. Uh, 
Mr. S Mr. Secretary, Mayor Secretary, Secretary, Mayor, we, you always play along with, with, with whatever we go, but uh, it's Let's good to have you on. Pete. Good morning. Good to see you. Thanks for good having me. Good to see you. Uh, I mentioned to Phil earlier that, I, I mean, we're going to talk about this. Phil uh, broke the story, he wants to talk to you all about it, but it just seems like things have, have gotten a little better uh, this year. I don't know whether it's efforts, your efforts with the Transportation Secretary, but we are going back a whole year uh, to, to, to highlight these problems, and we've been through... Uh, some pretty busy periods where the weather wasn't perfect. And I'm just wondering, is there, has the, the industry done something to, uh, to manage better? It seems like it has, or, or, or the, the uh, transportation department. I would say so, and there's a lot of credit to go around. Look, uh, today's announcement is a big penalty and enforcement action related to uh, failures that uh, took place a year ago. But uh, I would also say that uh, over the course of the last year, we've seen much better outcomes than we had a year or a year and a half ago. I think a lot of that has to do with the pressure that we put on airlines, and, and a lot of it also is, is the airlines should be credited for stepping up in response to that pressure. This year, we saw some of the biggest travel days ever. Matter of fact, the day after, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, that was the most passengers to board airplanes in the United States of America in our history. And the cancellation rate was less than one half of 1%. Uh, part of it is that uh, weather was, uh, uh, was better. Um, on certain key days. Then again, uh, we went through some storms and, uh, you know, the big problem we had a year and a half ago was even on blue sky days, there were breakdowns, delays, cancellations, that kind of thing. So uh, this, this is really, I think, reflecting that, uh, uh, that there has been real improvement over the last year. But, you know, part of what we saw with the Southwest breakdown a year ago uh, was that it's not just about the weather, right? The entire system, if you remember where we were right around Christmas 2022, the whole system got clobbered by this major winter storm. But then all of the other airlines got back on their feet quickly. Southwest was a different story. And this is about accountability and, frankly, changing the incentives for airlines to make sure that that can't happen again. Mr. Secretary, it's uh, Phil LeBeau here. Good morning. Um, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, how important is part of the agreement in this, uh, this action with Southwest is the creation of a $90 million reserve fund, if you will, a delay compensation fund. Because I know that's something you've been talking with the airlines and pushing them for for some time. They've been resistant to that. But now Southwest has said, yes, at least for the next three years, we will have this fund where people who are delayed more than three hours uh, can receive compensation of like a $75 voucher. How important is that to you in your perspective uh, that this is the next step for the industry in terms of taking care of the passenger? Yeah, I think it is important. Uh, Southwest is going to be leading the industry, if only because they've been ordered to. And uh, we want to see how the industry and, and the market respond to that. Uh, look, the $35 million cash, that was important because we, we really feel that the cash penalties in the past haven't been enough to change behavior for, uh, by some of these companies. So uh, you know, I think the biggest one we'd done historically was uh, Air Canada, about $4.5 So this is almost 10 times that. But you know, as important as that cash fine was, we didn't want the majority of this to be in the form of dollars going to the Treasury. We want most of this to be dollars going back to customers. And that's what the, the 90 million is about. It's a requirement that for the next three years uh, with, uh, with these $90 million, they go into vouchers, $75 on top of uh, needing to uh, get your meals or, or hotel or anything like that covered. If you have a, a long delay and it's the airline's fault, you get that added 
cash compensation. Uh, I, I want to see how, again, how, how the market responds, how the industry responds, because in parallel, we're working on a rule uh, looking at uh, how this could become uh, an industry standard to have some kind of direct compensation. Uh, but we don't want to have to wait on a, a federal rule to, uh, 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 you know, in the process, which can take a very long time, uh, to become a reality. And so uh, even though it's part of a, a penalty action, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited to, to see this kind of customer benefit that will be available to Southwest passengers starting in the spring of next year. Do you really think other airlines will do this voluntarily, or do you think it will take a rule? You know, we've seen a, a couple of them respond not to this level, uh, to the call we put out to, uh, to offer some kind of, uh, of compensation. It's a very different story in other parts of the world. In Europe, uh, you can, depending how long you're delayed, get uh, uh, hundreds of euros uh, as cash compensation. And again, the idea there is uh, not only does the airline need to rebook your cover your meals, but they, there needs to be some accountability for, uh, uh, for wasting your time if it's something that's the airline's fault. Again, that, you know, we, we know that, that nobody controls the weather. We're not punishing airlines for bad weather. We're holding them responsible for how they treat passengers. And, uh, I, you know, we've seen a lot of appetite uh, ever since I was with the president earlier announcing that we were launching this rulemaking process. Uh, we know the flying public is interested. And, and I even think it's to the benefit of the sector, the industry as a whole, for people to have a better feeling uh, about uh, the, what, what to expect in their passenger experience. Uh, I think this kind of compensation could add to that. So I, I think at the end of the day, it can be a win-win, although I know the airlines don't sure. necessarily see it that way. Uh, Mr. Secretary, we're going to have perhaps the first time uh, ever more than 3 million people flying in a day, perhaps by the end of this year during this next holiday travel rush. Uh, are the airports, the air traffic controllers, uh, is the system ready for this surge of traffic? Well, again, earlier this year, we had some uh, some record numbers, 2.9 million on the uh, day, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, and the system held up quite well. But but the real answer to your question is there needs to be more growth and more work on all fronts. The airlines are going to have to do more uh, to staff up and to get ready. Uh, FAA does, too. And that's why we're uh, urging Congress to work with us to add controllers. You know, the number of controllers has been going down for more than a decade. We finally reversed that. We've got it going up again, headed in the right direction. But in order to have hiring take place faster than retirements and separations, uh, we really need the, the funding to stay ahead of attrition. It's one of a million reasons why we can't come back in January uh, and go right into to shutdown, because that would shut down our training and hiring. So yes, the airlines need to do more to get ready. Uh, we need to make sure we have more controllers and air traffic control capability. And then the third leg of that stool is the physical infrastructure. And one of many, many reasons why uh, the, the infrastructure package that, that we uh, pushed so hard for that was such a big priority for President Biden. Uh, one of the many reasons that's needed is that uh, we are using it to expand capacity at our airports, whether it's uh, making one of the concourses at Atlanta wider or getting better baggage handling capacity in Denver or creating better environments for security checkpoints. Remember, most of our airline terminals were designed pre-9-11. And so the whole checkpoint system is grafted on to an architecture that was not originally set up with our modern security needs in mind. Airport by airport, we're helping to change that with this infrastructure funding. Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Mr. Secretary, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Next on Squawk Pod, who's looking at your data? New rules to standardize disclosures once a company has been hacked. The former CEO of FireEye, Kevin Mandia, explains the fine line between transparency and risk. Hey, if we disclose all the technical evidence, 
First, our investors may not be able to understand it all if we have a breach and we get too technical. And second, we may show the very doorways and avenues into our networks that the hackers use in the first place. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Stand by, Joe, in three, two, one. His mic, Q. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan along with Becky Quick. Andrew uh, is out this morning. A new SEC rule is compelling companies to report how they manage cyber risks and requiring them to report cyber attacks to regulators within four business days of that incident. Actually, within them deciding, not within the incident, but within them deciding that the incident is material, and that could be a different date. The move has some CEOs worried that sharing so much information may cause more hacks and leave them open to lawsuits. Joining us right now is Kevin Mandia. He's the CEO of Mandiant and former CEO of FireEye. And, and Kevin, let's, let's dig into this. How big of a deal are these new SEC regulations? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great question, but we're not but, you know, we're familiar with SEC regulation. They did staff guidance in 2011. They did some interpretation of that staff guidance for cybersecurity regulations in 2018. And I can tell you, this will have, in my opinion, look at the Fortune 100. They're already doing a lot of what's in this guidance. So this is more about the other 7,000 registrants and how they should be thinking about cybersecurity rules and how they should be reporting it to their investors. But that's my long-winded way of saying for the bigs, this is not a surprise. They're already doing much of what the new rules suggest. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for the smalls and the mids, this is something that they may have to consider. Are are the critics right in that they think that it's going to make them give too much information that would leave them open to other hackers? Uh, You know, I don't think so. When, you know, it's 186 pages, by the way, and I read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And there's 150 different entities that commented on the proposed rules, and they did change based on the inputs from those 150 folks. So that point was brought up, hey, if we disclose all the technical evidence, first, our investors may not be able to understand it all if we have a breach and we get too technical. And second, we may show the very doorways and avenues into our networks that the hackers use in the first place. So it's very clear in these rules, you don't need to go into the technical details and that you just talk about the material impact or the, that you believe there will be material impact on your business processes. You can leave out the critical details that hackers can take advantage of uh, and, and try to breach you down the road. I, I mean, on some level, I, I've always thought that there were a lot more hacks taking place than we ever hear mm-hmm. about. And maybe this is good. I, I know this is the SEC doing it for clarity mm-hmm. to investors and transparency to investors. But maybe it helps with all of us having a better understanding of, of mm. who the bad actors are, where they're getting, and just to you know, not have a false sense of security. Well, you know, when I read it, it looked like the reason they did it is we want more timely notification for the investor community. We have lots of notifications to the cybersecurity infrastructure and security agency, you know, where we have to report to them. We have FTC rules. We have different state privacy rules. 
When you look at all the ways, if you suffer breach, you may have to disclose. This is yet another one, and you still have to do it, and it's for a different audience, the investors. So I think they did these rules to standardize what is reported, as well as get more timeliness in any of the disclosures. So the content of our disclosures will also be uh, more similar in the future. Are they right, the critics, in, in suggesting that it's going to leave them open to lawsuits, that there's going to be plaintiff's attorneys that are just yeah. trolling, looking for lawsuits to throw their direction? Well, there's no doubt. You know, when you're breached and you know it, and I've lived through this thousands of times with organizations, every detail that you put out there, a lot of times, unfortunately, is block copied into, you know, and plaintiff attorneys take advantage of it. The reality is, uh, when you look at all the reporting disclosure rules, you open yourself up to some of that no matter what. If you're hacked and you know it, it is more probable than that you're going to be sued. Yeah. Uh, we, we have seen a lot of activity this year that we know mm. about. Uh, we're just putting on the screen now. MGM Resorts, T-Mobile, Move It. You had Clorox. Mm. You had other resorts. Right. I think Caesars was out there, too. Are mm. there more attacks taking place or, or is there just more public knowledge of those attacks? Well, this is why I feel uniquely qualified to answer. I mean, 30 years of responding to breaches as a specialty. Here's what I will tell you. The impact of the attacks has gone up throughout mm -hmm. my entire career of responding to breaches. It used to be you could manage through the breach and there was not material business impact. But today, based on our dependence on, you know, we're all digitizing our networks. We're all going yeah. to the cloud. We're all relying on computer technology more than ever before to drive our business. And I think that's why you're hearing about it. Attacks have always occurred. They've always occurred in great numbers. Uh, but now the business impact is just higher. Oh, that, it's interesting you bring up the cloud, just mm -hmm. the idea that every network is talking to every other network internally. Right. So if a bug gets in, it gets to go everywhere instantaneously. Is there a way to make ourselves, I mean, we did this because we thought it was better, more efficient. Mm -hmm. Uh, works to scale, keeps right. employees all in the same thing. How do you protect yourself in that world? I think cloud is for vast majority of organizations more secure because okay. they, they have to do that. When you look at Amazon, you look at Microsoft, you look at Google Cloud, all of them recognize we have to have a substrate that's secure. And so they work exceptionally hard with far more resources than the average company to do that. So I think when you look at the cloud, people are going to it because it's faster, it's cheaper, it's more effective. And in my opinion, more secure. But, but there's no there's no more moats. Yeah. There's no more silos. How do you protect yourself in that world? Uh, there's still moats and silos in the cloud providers. Everybody has their own independent virtual private networks in the cloud. So there are moats to protect your data in the cloud from another you know cloud customer's data. So it is redundant. It is international. It's global. And and the one thing about a cloud uh, infrastructure is you know it just helps alleviate some of the complexity for disaster recovery and privacy rules. Your, your uh, forecast for 2024, we're almost into the new year, your huh. forecast for cybersecurity in 2024. What's the headline take Well, away? you know, wherever money goes, crime follows. Until we have no crime, you're going to have cyber breaches. Till we have no espionage, you're going to have cyber attacks. Till we, until we have world peace, you're going to have ideological differences where modern nations are developing offensive capabilities going into the cyber domain where there aren't rules of engagement. And just figuring out, hey, what are nations' policies? What are nations up to? So you look at 2024, it's going to be much of the same. Attacks are going to continue to happen. And all the organizations on defense are just going to continue to scurry and make sure that their safeguards work. On that happy note, happy new year, happy holidays, Kevin. Thank you very much. Thank you.
We have some breaking news for you. Adobe and Figma have mutually agreed to terminate their $20 billion merger agreement. The company said that that decision was based on the joint assessment that there is no clear path to get approvals from regulators in the EU and the UK. Adobe is going to be paying a breakup fee of a billion dollars. Uh, Joe, this is pretty interesting because they had gone through, they got shut down by the, you know, the, the, C, the, the markets committee in, in, uh, in the UK that had had some of the CMA had warned about some problems that they were facing with this. Um, and as you know, in the UK, it's very hard to get anything passed because there is no regulatory body to appeal to. You have to appeal back to the CMA. And that was what Microsoft ended up doing. It was kind of crazy. People couldn't believe they got it passed, but they did with Microsoft get Activision Blizzard passed even after the CMA basically said it had some serious problems with it. But it just shows you uh, problems with regulators around the world, the idea of trying to get these deals done. This, again, was a $20 billion deal, was looked at a really big thing. There were a lot of VCs who were going to get back maybe 30 to 50 times their money um, on uh, going through with Figma. Um, but regulatory approval today, the same day that we're announcing that Illum that we said Illumina announced that it's giving up on Grail, it's going to undo that deal. Um, regulatory approval around the globe is particularly difficult. If you thought that things yeah. were going to heat up this year, that would be the biggest issue stopping things. I guess the biggest difference is we, we used to assume that the, that the European model we knew was different than, than our model on how you judge uh, competition and, and who can be harmed. Uh, who you worry about most and it you know heretofore in this country it wasn't that you worried about whether there might be consolidation and if it was going to be good for consumers you were going to probably let it happen whereas in europe they always worried about well wait a minute how many employees does the the company being acquired have and how many of those are going to be rationalized and it's a totally different system and, yeah, and, and they now definitely are we might be worse than that we may be just as restrictive as, as europe at this point yeah That's i, I don't know different. that i'd say worse i'd say they are equally restrictive and i think they kind of look to each other to to figure right, out they do how it's to almost like it, it. people have called it that yeah. jay clayton i think has called it a almost a, that Regulators, that's all we need when regulators start colluding. Henry McVeigh from KKR, he was talking about how there weren't, there weren't really any M&A, there wasn't any M&A activity last year. He doesn't anticipate it next year and this might be a big part of that reason too. Yep. Why, why try? It's just gonna cost you money. That's Squawk Pod for today, kicking off this busy week before Christmas. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the best of our TV show right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. Now we are clear. Thanks, guys. I won't let my active psoriatic arthritis joint symptoms define me. Emerge as you. Tremphia guselkumab is proven to significantly reduce joint pain, stiffness, and swelling in adults with active psoriatic arthritis. Some patients even reported less fatigue as assessed by survey one week prior. Results may vary. Tremphia is taken by injection six times a year after two starter doses at week zero and four. Serious allergic reactions may occur. Tremphia may increase your risk of infections and lower your ability to fight them. Before treatment, your doctor should check you for infections and tuberculosis. Tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms of infection. 
infection including fever, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough. Tell your doctor if you had a vaccine or plan to. Emerge as you. Learn more about Tremphia, including important safety information, at tremphia.com or call 1-877-578-3527. See our ad in Food & Wine magazine. For patients prescribed Tremphia, cost support may be available. Oh. 